Well, this morning, we are going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John. We are in John chapter 17. If you're visiting with us this morning, we've been making our way section by section through the Gospel of John, and we are in John chapter 17, and we have been looking at this in four parts, and we are in part four of those four parts this morning. We're looking at John chapter 17 and verses 20 through 26. Jesus is up in the upper room with his disciples. He is praying this prayer with his disciples present in the room. And I want you to know this morning, this is the night before his crucifixion. What we're going to look at this morning are the very last words of Jesus in the upper room before he leaves to be arrested, to be mocked, to be crucified, and then to rise again. These are the last of his words in this prayer. And we looked at part one, verses one through five, where Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. It's time. In the Gospel of John, it is time for Jesus to go to the cross. It is time for him to be crucified. And he says, Father, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. And then in parts 2 and 3, we looked at verses 6 through 19 as Jesus prays for the apostles, for the 11 who are gathered with him in, in the upper room because Judas is now gone. Judas has gone to betray him. We will see him again in the coming weeks. And then this morning, we look at verses 20 through 26 as Jesus prays for the world. He prays for all of those who are yet to come, for all of those who are yet to be our brothers and our sisters in Christ from all over the world. And this is what he prays in verses 20 through 26. He says, Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Well, this morning, our first point is, may they all be one. The great high priestly prayer of Jesus is filled with compassion and love for those who believe in him. And as we move on next or in the coming weeks, in the Gospel of John. 
and you in the days and months and years to come, come back and read John 17, I want you to remember that this is Jesus' expression of love for you. It is a tremendous, tremendous expression of Jesus' love, his deep love for each and every one of us who are gathered here today. There is a famous story told of John Knox. John Knox was part of the Protestant Reformation back in the 1500s. John Knox was the one who took the Protestant Reformation to the land of Scotland in the 1500s. Even to this very day, all these hundreds of years later, John Knox is considered the greatest preacher that Scotland has ever produced. And his favorite passage of scripture was John chapter 17. In fact, it is said that in his last days, he contracted a terminal illness and he became very weak and ill in the last months of his life. And he would ask his friends to come in and to read portions of scripture to him. And every single day, he wanted them to read to him from John chapter 17. In fact, according to the records, on the day that he died, November 24th, 1572, the very last words that were ever spoken to John Knox was someone reading to him from John chapter 17. In chapter 17, we come to a profound expression of the love of God for us. Nothing, nothing except the cross, except the cross demonstrates the love of Christ more than the fact that he prays and constantly intercedes for every one of us. I want you all to know this morning that Jesus has you in his heart. He has me in his heart. And he carries us to the throne of the Father every single moment of every single day that he might plead on our behalf because that's how much he loves us. And the love depicted in the high priestly prayer is then sealed, sealed forever by his death as he now goes to the cross to die for those for whom he has just prayed. As I mentioned, there is no greater evidence of his love than the cross. But next to the cross, next to the cross, this incredible picture of our high priest praying for us demonstrates how deeply, how deeply God loves us, how deeply our Savior loves each and every one of us. In this last section, Verses 20 through 26, there are basically two requests, final requests that Jesus makes. First, Jesus prays that we will all be one just as he and the Father are one. In verse 20, he prays, Father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In verse 20, Jesus' prayer sweeps into the future beyond the apostles, and it gathers up people from all ages and all countries and all cultures 
He is praying for all the believers in all of history who are yet to come. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And notice he says they will believe in me through their word, through the word of the apostles and consequently through our word, through our preaching and teaching and personal evangelism. People from all over will come. It's when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, applies the word of God to the human heart that a person believes in Jesus. They come to faith in Christ and trust in him alone for salvation. Folks, that always happens through the word. I shared that with you last week. John 17, 17, a verse we all ought to memorize. It's short. The reference is easy to remember. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. People only come to saving knowledge of Christ through the preaching of the gospel by the word of God. We only grow as Christians as we dig deeply and are convicted by and humbled by the word of God. Well, in verse 21, he says that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Oh, Father, may they all be one. And notice that he, what he says, because it's so important. And I mentioned this last week, and I want to build on it here. May they all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us. So when Jesus prays for unity, he is not asking that all Christians just lay aside all doctrine and theology and let's just come together in love. That's not what he's praying. In fact, he's praying for a unity that is solidly based in biblical theology and biblical doctrine. But I want you to notice, when he prays for unity, it is a prayer that is modeled on his relationship with the Father. Just as he is one with the Father, so we are to be one with one another. But not only is it our model, it is our foundation. We can't be unified apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we are simply fallen, sinful human beings with no real control over our passions and desires. It is only through Christ and our salvation in him and him living in us that we are able to be unified. And oh, he longs for us to be unified. He does. Christ prays that we would be united together, united in our love and passion and pursuit of our Savior, united in our love for one another, John chapter 13, united in our belief in the truth, in our proclamation of the truth, in our defense of the truth, which is found in the word of God. That's the kind of unity that he is praying so that the world may believe that you have sent me, Jesus prays. Verse 22. He says, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. 
Jesus says, the glory you have given me, I have given them. How have we been given the glory of Jesus? How have we been given the glory of God? But we have, and he prays. He prays for us that we would experience the glory of God in us. We know, don't we, as a church? Because we've gone over it before. It's Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. When believers are in Christ, Christ is in us. This is our glory. So when he prays for the glory, O Father, the glory that you have given me, Jesus refers to the fact that the Father manifested himself in the Son. And then when he says, the glory you have given me, I have given them, he means that he himself has manifested, he has manifested himself in us, in the life of every believer, so that all of us should be able to say in our Christian life, Christ only, always living in us, that is our glory. Christ only, always living in us, that is our glory. Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. O oh, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it so well. Listen carefully. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit it is the holy spirit that takes the word of god and applies it to us as christ lives in us we behold the glory of jesus every day as we look into his word and thus into his face and as we Behold the glory of the Lord. We are transformed into the same image, the same glory from one degree of glory to another. Do you realize that in your life? That you are being transformed from one degree of the glory of God to another as you behold his face through his holy word and you grow and you grow and you are transformed and transformed and sometimes without even realizing it. You are more and more and more like Jesus. And he is more and more glorified in and through you. What a thought. Verse 23. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me. And loved them even as you have or even as you loved me. You see as we are transformed from one glory to another. It becomes evident to the world that there's something different about us, whether they agree with us or disagree with us. They know that you belong to Christ and that you believe with all your heart that the Father loves you 
because the Father loved the Son and the Son lives in you. And you are loved by the Father, you are loved by the Son, you are loved by the Spirit. That is our witness. And Jesus prays for you that you would experience this kind of transformation and this kind of radiance of the glory of God. It's as if we're growing in glory and it radiates to everyone around us. Well, our second point this morning is, may they see my glory. May they see my glory. So first, the first request in this last section is, oh God, I want them to be one, one in us. Second, Jesus prays that one day in heaven, all of us will behold the fullness of his glory. Do you know that as Jesus prays for you every day, he longs for that time when you are going to be in heaven with him and beholding him in the fullness of his glory. We have a taste, a foretaste of that glory now, but one day we are going to see him in all of the fullness of his glory in our glorified bodies, in our glorified state, when we get to heaven, whether it's by the rapture or by our death, and we are with him, and he prays for that day. Now, it's so interesting, isn't it? We learned over the last two weeks that Jesus prays, Father, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He is a time for you in this world. And he says, and he prays, Father, just as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. So we're not to pray that we die before our time just so we can go to be with him because he has you here to be his light, to be his salt, to be his witness in this world. He prays that you would be protected from the evil one, that you would be protected from Satan himself and his deceits and his lies. However, he does also pray that one day you will experience a thrill and exhilaration, the likes of which be, are beyond anything you have ever experienced when you are in his presence and see him in the fullness of his glory. Look at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. He has been talking with the Father. I'm coming home, Father. I'm coming back to the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world, and I want them to experience it too. You see, to be with Christ, that's ultimately God's plan. It is. Did you know this? God planned it was his plan for your life as you come to know him as Savior that you be with Jesus eternally, eternally. And that's our prayer. We pray that we might enter into the glories of eternal joy in the presence of Christ. We long for that day. We long for that day. But did you know that's not only your prayer? And it's his prayer for you. It's his prayer. It's Jesus' prayer. He wants to put his glory on full display. There is going to come a day when he wants to show all of us 
who he really is. He wants to put himself on grand display in all of his glory. And he wants us there. He wants us there for that great day. I don't know if you've thought of this before, but the point of God taking you to heaven is not just for you, it's also for Jesus. Have you thought about that before? I know there are many godly teachers who have brought this out, but did you know heaven isn't simply a place for you to go? It's also for Jesus. Heaven is the place where Jesus will be on grand display. And do you know why? Do you know why? Because he is worthy. He is worthy to have all believers throughout all the ages of history. He is worthy to have all of us see his glory and praise him and worship him and adore him forever and ever. And did you know that was the whole purpose of God from the beginning? Did you know that? That we would be with Christ and worship him and praise him and adore him forever and ever. That has always been God's plan. God's plan has been to call out a redeemed people who would have as their express purpose the praise and worship of the Lamb, the praise and worship of the worthy Lamb. So Jesus is saying in this prayer, God, bring them all to glory. Bring them all to glory. And when we behold him, we will experience a glory unlike we've ever had before. 1 John, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What is that going to be like? When he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So, Jesus prays in this section, Father, let them all be one. Let them be perfectly one, united together in us. And then he prays, Father, I want them to see my glory. I want them to be with me in the fullness of of my glory. And so in essence, the, the, excuse me, the requests of Jesus' high priestly prayer have come to an end. And what follows in verses 25 and 26 can be considered the foundation upon which the entire prayer is prayed. It's like this is his close to the prayer, verses 25 and 26. Oh, righteous Father, Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Oh, Father, I pray these things because I know you. And you know what? They now know all these believers, they know that you have sent me. And I have made known to them your name 
We saw that a couple of weeks ago, the name. It is a reference to the fullness of the character and person of God. That's why we pray in Jesus' name, in the fullness of all that he is and what he's accomplished for them. And he says to the Father, I have made known to them your name, the fullness of who you are, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Do you see that? He wants the love of God to be in us as he dwells in us. And with those words, the prayer, the great high priestly prayer of Jesus considered by many to be the greatest prayer ever prayed because it is God the Son praying to God the Father with these words in verses 25 and 26, his prayer comes to and end. And when we look at chapter 18, it will say, then they went out from there. Then they went out from there. But as we close this morning, there's something I want you to see in this prayer. This is a great missionary prayer, and I don't want you to miss that. Embedded in John chapter 17, embedded in all of Jesus' prayer, but especially this last part, is a great, great missionary prayer. On the night before his crucifixion, Jesus prays that people from every age, from every part of the world, will be gathered into his glorious kingdom and praise him forever and ever. He has been praying and continues to pray for that that people from every age, from every part of the world, will be gathered into his glorious kingdom and praise him forever and ever. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you realize this? That we, as we gather today, we are part of the greatest gathering of worshipers that the world has ever known. As we live in this age of history, we, all of us, every one of you, are part of the greatest gathering of worshipers for Jesus that the world has ever known. You think of that famous quote from John Piper. He says, all of history is moving toward one goal. The gathering of white-hot worshipers for God and his Son from all the peoples of the earth. All of history is moving toward one great goal the gathering of white-hot worshipers for God and his Son from all the peoples of the earth. Folks, it's going on right now. It's going on right now. And the next time you get really discouraged about politics or about the division and hatred in our country or around the world, I want you to remember there's something so much bigger and so much more important than all of that.
God's on the move. Whether you realize it or not, right now at this moment, God is on the move in every people group all around the world, gathering white-hot worshipers for the name of his Son. From all the peoples of the earth, he is on the move right now. And I want you to know this. That when we gather together as the church, and when every true church gathers week after week after week, and we praise our Savior, and we worship him and exalt him and adore him, when we do that, we are the answer to his prayer. We are, you are, the answer to his prayer. And every time you take the gospel message to our community, and we take the gospel message to the nations, that they might believe, that they might come to Jesus and worship him too, every time we do that, we are the answer to his prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you more than we know how that Jesus always intercedes for us before your throne. Oh, how we thank you for that. Thank you for the great honor and privilege of studying and meditating upon this prayer. Help us, Father. Help us to be faithful to the gospel and faithful to world missions because one day, one day, we will all worship before the throne of our King in whose name we pray.